welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's podcast episode is sponsored by Record360. Record360 is the leading provider of inspection management software for the equipment rental industry. Record360 is trusted by thousands of rental businesses to provide quick, clear documentation of assets before and after rent. There's a transformation occurring in rental inspections. The old way of doing things included pen and paper, carbon copies, digital cameras, and hunting down information when you needed it. Today, modern inspections look very different. They're cloud-based, mobile, and records are easily searchable. Find out how Record360 can help you increase your damage collection percentage and eliminate disputes at record360.com. Today's guest is El Owano. El is the Powered Access Division Manager at Mr. Plant Hire and is located in London, UK. Now, I was about to say that L is a future leader, but I'm going to take that back. L is a leader in the equipment rental industry, and I'm so glad I had an opportunity to get her on the podcast because she has gone through a lot to get to where she is today, and she really is someone that is truly passionate about what she does and brings everyone up around her. So, L, I want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first got involved in the equipment rental industry? Yep. Hi, Mark. Um, so I joined the hire industry 20 years ago. I was looking for a job because I needed a job. I was I was 18 and I thought I, I needed to get a job now and, and college was okay, but I just needed to work. So I uh, applied for a job at HSS Hire many years ago and um, I, I started there and, and that's where it began really. I've, I've been in the industry ever since. So then when you applied for that job, did you even know what hire was? Like, or was it just a job you applied for? Like, what was the, the intro to that business? So it, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, it, it was um, an assistant manager role, which was, I had didn't think for a second I would get because I had no experience in that field whatsoever. Um but yeah, I just thought I need a job, so I applied for it, and I, did, I didn't have a clue. I didn't, I did not have a clue, and and it was it was a major eye opener for when I saw exactly what the the rental industry was about, and you know who it serviced. So it was really new experience for me, but I I enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it early on, and I thought, you know what, this is this is quite enjoyable. It's, it was funny because where I was based back then 20 years ago when blockbuster videos were still open and uh, we weren't far from blockbuster videos and i used to think it's kind of got to be the same sort of thing right you know you 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 rent you rent a film or or something and then you drop it back and although the principle is very similar i couldn't have been further away from the truth if i tried but yeah do you know what it was a great it was a great start to the career and I've enjoyed it you know it's had its ups and downs but I've really pretty much enjoyed what I've done and it's the, the whole the whole dynamic of it you know for me that back then you could be hiring out for massive national customers or you could be hiring to someone who just wants to tidy up their house you know and just kind of getting that difference in people all the time was really nice and I enjoyed doing that and it's very customer facing so yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Started started there and it, and it just grew <laughs> quite yeah. quickly. Well, well, 20 years, clearly you like it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm doing something right, surely. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's good. Like I said, it's, um, it's a very challenging industry and I don't think everybody kind of realises that. I think people kind of often think it could be quite straightforward and but it's not it can be terribly stressful because there's so much going on that's developed as my as my career's developed the, the stress side of it but when I first started out yeah it was, it was very it was an eye-opener it was mm. my, my first stupid question when I started the hiring industry when we was having generator training <laughs> is uh, I said where do you plug the generator in <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I to this day I will never forget that question and and they just looked at me and smiled and went We'll, we'll put you on some more courses so you know and I knew that that was like okay it was a silly question looking back but that was naivety that was how much experience I did not have you know where, where do you plug the generator in to get the power so yeah and then it, it just grew from there well I'll up you on a stupid question that I first did when I first joined the industry so we'll looking at the software that, that manages the equipment and it said plant hire and so I looked at it and I was like so is there physical plants 
like what's the higher and then someone explained to me that plenty is equipment so yeah, yeah. I was yeah, pretty uh yeah raw as well <laughs> yeah no you beat me but no it's I think it's all part of the learning curve isn't it and I assume when you went to that interview you didn't use the analogy of the blockbuster during that interview process <laughs> no, no I didn't no I I certainly didn't I mean I got the inter- got the job following the interview feedback was based on them was that strangely enough my my vibe and positivity and just kind of the willing to just learn and, and stuff like that and I said okay good let's, let's hope it's not based on experience because there is none but um yeah it was good it was a good start it was a good start and I, I did that role for about 18 months and then I got my first shop um, as manager so I was very young naive and learning life let alone the job you know I was still very young but it just kind of ex- just went from there it just blew up from there and I was, I was at HSS for seven years um, and then my career just took different paths and I went on to work for other national groups and companies and learned some really fantastic things with some great people, which then obviously brought me to where I am today. Yeah, so it'll be good for the people that are listening just to understand like your progression because some people still are new to the industry and want to understand like someone like yourself that came in like fresh, basically, yeah. how you sort of bounced around the companies in different roles. So you want to just like in a summary version explain what your different roles were within the different organizations yeah sure so um for the first for the first role you, for me i i knew i was going to start off which is by saying at the bottom doesn't seem particularly right but you know you're starting off at a lower level and my roles were very similar because i knew i wanted management i knew i wanted to lead a team and and that by team, I'm talking they were small, like it was me, one other, you know, and stuff like that. And as and as the career developed, the teams got slightly bigger. I remember when I got my first biggest depot and it had seven of us. So I thought I was amazing. And like, it was me, I had to manage six people. Those were the days. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, w- I was always uh, um, like a store manager, if you like, or depot manager. So I'd, I'd done the, the overall side of the businesses. A lot with the national companies, you focus heavily on, the higher desk or you know or the shop depending on what sort of business you're in um and then as you kind of go up the chain you find that you start managing the business rather than the shop or the higher desk so i, I started off serving customers and, and learning equipment and don't be afraid to say i don't know that that was something if i ever look back now what i would do is rather than sit there thinking oh i, I really don't get that but i'll just kind of muddle through now i would say look i don't get that let's move let's just understand it you know and drive with that but um I did everything I was on I was serving customers and I was cleaning up and I was cleaning windows and getting the shop looking nice to to sort of managing transport and and, tra- and managing teams to now managing the business so it's although the roles are very similar they kind of vary you know based on on the company National companies are different to, to independent, independently run businesses. So it just, it just changes, but don't be afraid to try everything, you know, and, yeah. and don't allow your title to kind of influence that. Yeah. You know, if you're the manager, it doesn't make you, well, I, I won't be doing this role, do everything. And if you learn and understand everything, you can help others because you know, because you've done it yourself. And that would mm. be, that would be what I would say to anyone. That would be something I would do again, tenfold. 100 yeah. percent regardless even in my role now you know if i don't understand something or, or somebody's struggling with it the first thing i'll do is i'll learn it with them and then once i've got it right i can guide them and then so how did you end up at mr plant hire so i i was in um working for a previous company and um i just didn't i i needed more i wanted more out of what where i was going in my job um and this this somebody i was a recruitment agency contacted me um, and said that they wanted to speak to me and uh, this position's come up here um, and they thought I would suit it. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll go to the interview. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't overly kind of majorly excited about it because I just, I, it wasn't, I wasn't looking for it. It kind of came to me. Um, I had the best interview with, with uh, my manager at the time, um, who's his company director. And it was fantastic. And we just sat and we, we talked and, you know, we learned about each other. We learned about the business. It was just really good. And I knew then that this was a good, this was a good company. And if, if he was my leader, then I couldn't really go wrong here. So, um, yeah, I was successful in the role and I, and I came over four years ago. 
it was a lot of work that needed to be done and, and we needed to make some really big changes. Um, we was in a it was in a yard that wasn't built. So we was in porter cabins and it was it was cold. It was, you know, it was really, really challenging. Um, and we've developed this incredible site now that is all purpose built. You know, I've got the best team around me. I know every manager says that, and but I haven't always had the best team, but now I have, you know, we've got people who have just progressed and progressed. And for me, it's it's about seeing people do better in, in themselves. So, and I've seen that massively over the last four years here. And I'm just so proud of the people I work with and so proud of what we've all developed. It's fantastic. I mean, I show this place off all the time. In terms of rental businesses, a lot of rental companies in London and all around the UK, they're, fa they're fantastic in their own right. But, you know, they're not, some of them are just cabins here, cabins there. You know, we've got purpose-built offices. We've got a purpose-built workshop purpose-built washdown bays we've got fantastic security system here we've got um, you know a layout across the yard of where machines go the, the health and safety is of a high standard you know we're passing accreditations that before were just could only ever be talked about you know and, and now we're not only are we, we sort of going for them but we're achieving them so we're just doing really really well and Yes, okay, I've done well in achieving that, but the team and myself have driven that. So I'm just really lucky to have such great people around me, to be fair. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think when you you go to work in an environment like that, like you are proud of it and you want to work for that company and you, yeah. and you, and you know you've got that team. So like if you go to work and it's just a really bad working environment, the, the culture's terrible, uh, the, the, the PCs are slow, they don't work, the equipment's mm. old, it's all hidden, it's 10-year mark, like it's... It, it's not really somewhere that you you are, are in love with, like you're, you're passionate no. about. And so it, it really, like I, I can really tell about your your passion for it. And I'm assuming that flows through to the, the other employees within the company as well. Yeah, and you, you need to. I mean, if, if, the, if the person at the top has got their head down and think it's rubbish, then everybody's just going to follow suit. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Mark, there's been some times where it's been really challenging. You know, it's been really hard. And I've looked at this and thought, oh, you know, what am I doing? Am I, am I flogging a dead, dead horse here? This is crazy. Like this is, there's so much work to be done. But do you know what? Seeing each step and each progression, it's just been incredible. And, and now looking at it, I'm just so proud of it. And when people, we get suppliers from manufacturers all around the world say, you know, are you available? I'm like, yes, come down and see it. I want to show it off. I want to show you what we've got, you know, and, and that's how everybody feels everybody's excited about what we've got and just making it better if we can we're, we're part of a group now as well which is incredibly exciting we've we're, we're building the group we're buying different businesses so you know to think that in the future we could all be part of the same sort of banner and standard is fantastic it's just brilliant yeah so let's touch on that a little bit so what's the makeup of the business just so the listeners understand what services and products you provide to what regions, what affiliated companies are involved, just so we've got a better understanding of Mr. Plant Hire. Okay, so Mr. Plant Hire um, originally started in 1981 um, by a guy called Dave Elsden. He started it off. He, originally, he was working, he bought some machines, and uh, I think he was a welder or, or, of, of some sort of trade, and, and he was using equipment, and then he, he saw a market for hire. So he started hiring out a few bits, and within a year, he had a shop. And within two years, he brought on uh, Martin Lawrence, who is who's now currently my managing director. So they own that they own the business between themselves, and they just grew it from start to finish. They've just done so well with it. They started off as a two-man band, if you like, and they've just turned it into this absolute animal of a business. Um, that was sold on to the Flaherty Group, I believe, around four, five, five, six years ago. Uh, before I started and again they're investors and they've just put, thrown investment into the business to grow us and what they've now done is created a group called AER Rents um, and AER Rents is the umbrella for Mr Plant Hire, um, Mainline which is up in the mid in Midlands and um, we've got the Drogheda group which is out in Northern Ireland and we're all under the same umbrella so what we do here is we do the powered access we do telehandlers, diggers, dumpers, um, all the construction business. We also do the mechanical and electrical side. So the um, site boxes, ladders, towers, you know, anything non-mechanical. Non, um, so we offer a, a huge wide range of equipment to, to customers. We do that 
obviously predominantly for London and surrounding home counties, but for the powered access side of the business, which is my, my domain, we're part of a group called the Access Alliance. So it allows us to, um, to offer a nationwide service to our customers all over the UK. And then what we will do is we'll take an order and we'll, we'll cross hire it through another business that's part of the Access Alliance. There's you know, X amount of members that are all independently owned. And then we'll cross hire through them. They get the business through us. We service the customer that may be working outside our remit of delivery. So there's just so much that we can constantly offer our customers, which is brilliant. Um, we're not trying to be the biggest. We don't want to be a big national company. That's not what our interest is. It's just about providing good service to the people that need us, you know, and I know I, we're going to talk in a little while about um, how COVID affected us. And I'm looking forward to discussing that with you because it has had such a great impact. Um, but yeah, we, we're just, we're in, we're in a great position as a group we're growing and, and we're hopefully going to be making more acquisitions. So, and hopefully we can start to, you know, have a uniform across to how we all work. You know, I can go to my colleagues at another, although they'll be owned, by the umbrella of AER rents, but they're still independently running. So again, it doesn't change for the customer. Nothing changes, just if anything, it just grows. And there's some fantastic investment there to build on stock and, and you know, software and just service in general, really. Yeah, and I'm sure you can learn from each other a lot as well. You've got these companies that's just bouncing ideas off each other. And and if yeah. someone is is really making a big move in an area and they're seeing a lot of success, they can obviously really let, relay that back and, and share yeah. that information. Absolutely, yeah. And well, us being in London, <laughs> London's an animal in itself. So if you can do it in London, you can probably do it anywhere. So again, we'll constantly be sharing ideas with our, with our colleagues in, in the industry and well, certainly in the group and seeing what we can do to to make it better for all of us. Mm. And so talk to me more about this Access Alliance group. So is that relatively new or is it an older group? Like, no, it's what been is this? Going, again, it's been going for some years. So it's all independently owned businesses. They're part of a membership, which is called the Access Alliance. And what it allows us to do is I will cross hire through another business. Uh, we have our own set rates that we work towards within the group. Um, I don't need to ring up and say, how much are you going to charge me for that 19 foot scissor? I already know the price because we've got our set set guide. Um, and, and it just allows everybody in the UK, uh, in the group, to work within the UK, to be able to offer that service to the customers. Um, it's not a national group. There's no national members involved. So so any of the, the, the larger companies, they're not part of that. It's about making a national service, but through the independently owned businesses. And we've got a huge, a huge covering across the UK. And it's just fantastic. It's all powered access. Um, some businesses like ourselves offer other products, i.e. the, the telehandlers and diggers and dumpers. So we can do something for them as well. But the powered access is what it's created from. So if, if a customer phones me and says, oh, I'm working in London, but next week I'm in Scotland, can you do something? Yeah, no problem at all. So I'll supply the London kit and then I'll go to the group, the, the business that's in the Access Alliance that covers Glasgow and I'll say, I've got a job for you. Can you cover it? Yeah, no problem. And there you go. And the customer still thinks they're using me. They're happy. They haven't got to keep bouncing around different businesses. They can just keep, keep using their account at Mr. Plant Hire and everything's covered. And it's just a fantastic way of working. And we've got a really good rapport with a lot of the businesses. And, you know, we have, we have a couple of meetings a year, which starts off very professional, ends in the bar. It's fantastic. Um, but we do that all over the, you know, we can do that in London. We can do that in the Midlands and up north. And we kind of spread out where the meetings are going to be held. So, it's, yeah, it's a really good, really good service. I like that because it really empowers the independence. It really gives it's, back to them to support each other in a big network and you've added all them together, you've got the power of a national organization then really. So exactly. And that's why it's been created. Yeah. So so we'll talk about COVID briefly just before. So how how has COVID affected London and Mr. Plan Hire? And, and I guess the, the larger group as well. Naturally, you know, COVID has affected the whole world and the impact it's made has been horrific. And in terms of the industry, at first, on the first lockdown when it first kicked off everything closed, you know, our, our governments closed all construction. So we went from having 75, 80% of our equipment out on hire to 50%, 40%, if not below. So it was a huge impact on the business. Um, some businesses uh, across the country chose to close. It wasn't within their interest to stay open. 
many of us did. Um, we stayed open. Certainly, Mr. Plant Hire, we, we stayed open from start to finish. We have not closed throughout. Um, I had to furlough the best part of the business, the best part of my division in the business, and there was a few of us that stayed on. I was one of them. I think for me, Mark, the most empowering part of the whole thing was when I took my first call. Um, and it was a COVID, we called them a COVID call. And what that was is um, there was a, obviously many hospitals in London being built up, having COVID units being built up and they were popping up COVID units like, you know, unbelievably like burger vans. It was just ridiculous. And when someone phoned it and I could hear it in his voice, I could hear the, the you know, the urgency. And he asked me for some equipment and he said, I need to have, I think it was some Pico lifts or Eco lifts, which are just manual 3.5 lifts. Um, and I said, yeah, no problem. Um, when, when do you need it? I, I need them as soon as you can. And I could really hear it in his voice. It was such an unusual call. Um, and I was like, okay, fine. Where, where's it going to? He said, oh, um, we're, in, um, we're in London Hospital, one of the London hospitals. And I said, okay, no problem. And it dawned on me what this was going. So we're building a COVID unit and I need them quick. We need to get this COVID unit up. And you know what? There was something about that call that I'll never forget. It was just, it was, it was so, um, it was so sad and scary, but you know what? It gave me every inch and ounce of drive to write, this is going to happen. Now, normal terms, I was actually, we was actually booked out that day. We didn't have full staff. So I was, you know, we were, we were really running on limited. I stopped everything. Um, we got the job, I made it happen. We was on site within an hour. The gentleman got what he needed. Within a few days, he needed to off hire that equipment. He phoned me and he said, right, that's all I've hired. Thank you so much. We've got it done. Thank you, thank you. I said, no, 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 thank you. You know, you guys are building these bloody units. This is amazing. You know, thank you very much. He said, no, no, no it's fine. Um, I have to say your service was impeccable. Like, I, I can't thank you enough for what you did. Now, I've, I'm thanking him for being in part of building a COVID unit for the NHS to save our lives you know, and he's thanking me. And it was just, it was just such a, it was, I know it sounds really soppy and, and silly, but you know what, unless you were in that, you can't ever explain. And those calls just carried on and carried on and carried on, which is why I very, very quickly made the decision that I was going to allocate a lorry. That was one lorry. I was taking it off the road. That was it. It was coming and it was going to be based here with one driver. Every phone call that we took that was a COVID call. So building a hospital or building a COVID unit, that lorry was available and it was loaded and gone and we was on site within an hour. Um, and that's what we allocated and I stuck with that and we did that throughout the whole of the pandemic, the whole of the lockdown. Um, and it worked, it worked really, really well. Um, it was, there were some terrifying moments, you know, and, and sometimes people were just phoning up saying like, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this built or, or, you know, building makeshift mortuaries. And it was just horrible, you know, and we were part of that. So now when I look back on it, I'm really proud of that, you know, and it, although it affected the business financially and obviously a lot of equipment was all off hired, um, being a part and staying open for that was, was worth it. You know, it's not even about the money now. It's not even about saying, well, Mr. Plant Hire stayed open just because so we could earn. No, it wasn't. Mr. Plant Hire stayed open and we supported the build of a London hospital during the pandemic of 2019 and continued. And do you know what? I'm proud of that. And, I'm, and I will continue to be proud of that. And it was, it's affected lots of people in different ways, mentally as well. Um, but we, we started to pick up quite quickly. We started to unfurlough fairly quickly um, and get the business back. And of course, when the UK government then announced that we were to allow some of the construction sites to start to reopen, we did start to see a pickup again in revenue. But it wasn't really about that for us. It was about being available to help. It's amazing that your, your passion just flows through the whole business, even to that extent. And the fact that you would take a truck off the road, just dedicated, it really shows you your dedication and, and support of, of those workers and that sort of stuff. So yeah. can't really commend you enough for that sort of support. And it's really funny the way that you were describing, you're thanking him and he's thanking you and it's this yeah. back and forth yeah. situation. We're just hugging it out. No, do you know what? <laughs> It's, it was it was tough it was really really tough and and a lot of people have worked so hard during that such an incredible time that the, all the all the, the guys and girls that are out there working and building these things you know get across the world i know but i can only particularly comment on london um 
and doing what they did and, and in support of the NHS, who again are just incredible. And, and I cannot and will not ever not thank them enough, you know, on behalf of personally, on behalf of the business, you know, we do thank the NHS and we are thanking those who have been heavily involved in this pandemic and we will continue to support that. Um, I've got a check in my drawer of 750 pounds that I am, um, we're donating to the NHS. Um, Skyjack, one of our massive manufacturers and suppliers recognised what we were doing with the lorry and, and allocating it to, um, to the COVID jobs. Um, and, and again, they recognised that it was a great thing and they've, on, the, on their behalf, they, they've given us a thousand, equivalent to a thousand US dollars and said, choose a charity, we want, you know, we want to do it. So I've chosen the NHS charities. And I'm excited that next week I'm going to be um, sort of presenting that to um, a paramedic just on behalf of us to say, you know, this is what we're doing to say thank you. Again, £750 is a lot of money, but on the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. But we just want to be able to say, look, we are acknowledging what you guys are doing and we'll continue to do that. And it's inspired me to do so much, you know, this pandemic and, and seeing people go through absolute hell um it's it's touched us you know in a big way and it really has so something else that i've done and created is um i've took a machine out of fleet um i'm spraying it a completely random color so it's going to be totally different to all the rest of them i'm going to get it all signed written up all professionally done and it's going to look absolutely fantastic and every month i'm going to uh, calculate the higher revenue that it's got and then I'm going to take a percentage of that higher value out and I'm going to donate it to a different charity every month. Um, and that's what that's, this pandemic's taught me. It's about people need support, people need each other. And do you know what? If we can give something, it will make a big difference. Um, so that's what we're doing. And I'm excited about that. It's getting painted up as we speak. It's going to be, it's going to be a nifty colour green. So, so we're working with our colleagues, nifty, um, and, and nicking their colour scheme and, and, being, and getting everybody involved. Um, and yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I'm, every month I'm going to calculate it, get a percentage, 10 to 20%, whatever we decide. And we're going to select a different charity every month and we're going to hit them with a check. And that's going to roll out, hopefully in the next eight weeks. And that will just continue to roll out. And that's what we're doing. You know, we're recognising hard work and we're saying thank you. That's amazing. It's, it, it, what comes to mind for me is like one of the mindsets that I always try and live by is like giving without expecting anything in return. And it's almost like... That's like your whole mindset when it comes to just yeah. the business. So the fact that yeah. you can make those decisions, like it really shows, I guess, from an upper management as well at Mr. Plan Hire, that it's not just about the utilization numbers. It's no. there's a bigger picture here. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people are, are working at companies where it, it's all about just the end result in terms of the financial utilization and, mm -hmm. and, and, and basically making calls off that. So yeah, I think it's, you should be very proud to work at a company that also has the same mentality and philosophy around this sort of stuff, which is yeah, yeah. amazing and really good to hear. And I really hope a lot of people listening to this can also think about this and think, oh, maybe we can give more as well. Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, learn, learn a lot during this pandemic and we'll continue to learn. It's still mm. going on and, you know, who knows when it's going to end, but we're, we're, we're going to continue to support where we can. That's it. So you mentioned it wasn't all roses along the way. So, so let's talk a little bit about, I guess, some of the challenges you faced in the past and then how they differ to the challenges that you face today. Okay, so one of the um, examples that I'm gonna give you, I don't really like to use gender, sexual orientation, color, weight whatever to describe or to differentiate a situation because to me there's in my current state there's one color that's blue and yellow or blue that's my uniform color i don't care about anything else not interested in anything else um being a, a female in the construction industry or higher industry a lot of people how do you do it how how's it affected you how's it i never realized that it, i never really thought it did so i used to think well i don't know everyone just Treats me the same. It wasn't until I actually read a question fairly recently about how's it affected you being a female in the industry. And I thought about it and I, I kind of went back into the years and the earlier years. I was loading some machines into a lot into the back of someone's car. 
and and it was a guy. <laughs> this is hilarious. This is my funniest moment of 20 years in the hire industry. So I, it was a mixer. And he said, no, 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 you won't be able to do that, will you? Because you're a woman. I said, uh, okay. And I was really nervous. I didn't know the response. Believe it or not, I was speechless, which you may find hard to believe. <laughs> but I was, I was young once. And I thought, oh, uh, okay. And I knew I could because I've done it loads of times, but I thought, well, okay. So he, he threw me off. So I was like, oh, so I went and got a man. Um, and I said, oh, um, can you help me? And he said, I can help you, but you've done it loads of times. I was like, oh yeah, I know, but he said, I'm not gonna be asked to do it because I'm a woman. Anyway, long story short, we threw the mixer in. The guy never actually helped me. We just showed up the customer, which isn't particularly um, professional. And, I, and I've maybe learned by that. But what I did was I picked up the mixer and I threw it in the back of his car. And he looked at me in absolute shock and amazement. And he said, I didn't expect you to do that, being a woman. And I said, well, there's a lot that women can do. And, and, and over the years, you know, you see, you're, you're talking to a customer and they'll say, oh, look, is there a bloke there? <laughs> that, that's a good one. We, we like them. The fact that predominantly most of my office is female, just through pure fact that, you know, that's, you know, I've interviewed females and they've suited the role. I have, we have a mixture of both, but we do get that. Um, when you're you're being asked questions about a machine or a situation, so is there is there just a bloke there that can help me? Well, yeah, there is, but he's actually less trained than me. But I'm more than happy to put him on the phone. He will then divert you back to me because he doesn't know the answer. But um, so challenges I've faced is is for me is is being able to be who I am and standing by who I am and saying, no, listen, I can do this regardless of who I, my gender. And so that for me, in answer to your question, is my biggest challenge is, is accepting who I am and standing up to be who I am and not allowing others to say, you can't do it because of whatever the reason. Predominantly in this industry, yes, it's, you know, don't do that, I'll get that for you, love. I'll get that for you, which is always quite handy, really. Especially if it's a big heavy box that's got to go across the yard because I don't particularly want to carry it. but. Um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of had to learn myself to say to someone, no, do you know what? It's fine, mate. Yeah, I'll do it. It's okay. If I need your support, I'll ask you. Or if you don't want my help, it's cool, you know, but not allowing others to kind of tell me that I can't do something um, and accepting, no, I will do it and driving and doing it. And, and I've gone on to do that in my personal life massively. Um, I've done more male orientated things than most men. You know, I, I, I was a, a part of the Territorial Army for the bomb disposal squad 10 years ago. You know, people just don't do that. I don't know why I did it, actually. <laughs> I was going through a bit of a mad time in my life. I know, I'll join the army. Um, but, you know, I've done things. And obviously, in my private life, I'm, I'm currently trained to be a pilot. I want to fly planes. There's not many people that do stuff like that or females that would do stuff like that. I do loads of stuff. You know, I love it. I'm scared of heights. What do you do if you're scared of heights? I become the uh, power access division manager for a business in London. Uh, I fly planes. Oh, and uh, you know, just to throw in the mix, two years ago, I jumped 12,000 foot out of an aeroplane to raise a thousand pounds for Essex Air Ambulance. You know, for me, if I've got a fear, I fight it and I go for it. Um, the reason I joined the TA is just, unfortunately, there was a time of war, you know, when, when everything was kicking off out, out in, in Iraq and stuff. I was scared of that. It scared me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with it. I used to put the telly on and I'd be thinking, oh my God, is this going to affect us? So I joined the TA. Because I thought, well, if I can't beat them, let's join them. Let's try and do something. Let's make a difference. Um, you know, so for me, that's what it's about. So the challenges are, is allowing others to tell you who you are when nobody knows who you are but you. So don't give up on yourself and just do it. Just go, just do what you want to do and be who you want to be. That's but if you're going to jump out of a plane, it's scary. I feel like that should have just been a TED talk. That was like an unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable speech. That was, true, that was, man. That was unbelievable. True. So, yes, look, I think the, the one thing that I take from even just that, even for myself, is, is lean into things. So, yeah. so when things get hard, if you back off, they're only going to get harder and, and it's not going to go away. So, when a challenge happens, it doesn't matter what the challenge is, whether it's gender-based, whether it's whatever it is, uh, yeah. always lean into it. And as you said, never let anyone tell you who you are or what you can be. Exactly. Because you'll, uh, you'll, they'll lose. Yeah. They will with me anyway. <laughs>
like where you can really give back, and I'm assuming you're doing this as well, is is mentoring other women in the industry, really giving back and. And I'm assuming your recruitment process, like you're, you're giving women opportunities and bringing them through the business and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's really where I think like you are, are going to be a leader in, in that sort of thing. Yeah. Look, I, I don't care what you are, who you are, what your, what your, what your history is. Um, what I care about is where you are today, where you want to be and how we can work together and make that happen. That, that's what I look at. I, I was actually interviewing somebody yesterday, um, a female and, um, this particular role I was looking for is to work in the workshop with all the blokes. Um, it's an admin role, which you would probably esteem as more of a, a female position, but not necessarily. I have both genders in both roles here, but for the workshop role. Um, and do you know what? I, I had a CV on my desk and I was looking at it and I said, you know, I'm not going to read that. I don't, I don't really want to read that at the minute. It's, all, it's, gonna, it's, it's a bit of paper that's tells me that you're a great team player and that you like to socialize because so, everybody's CV says that, right? It never says I want to go out and get smashed with my mates. It says I enjoy socializing, which is exactly the same thing, right? And I like to read books. No, you don't. Who does that? No one, it's crap. So, <laughs> so I don't even read the CVs. I sit there and I learn them and I talk to them. And every interview I've ever done, they've always said, this is the best interview I've ever had. I've, I feel so relaxed. And I say to them, well, I don't want you to be nervous or uptight and, and feed me a load of waffle. I want you to talk to me, you know, and tell me about you. What do you want? And let me tell you if I can help you. What, where have you been? What's been really crap for you in the past, you know? And what do you want to make out of life? And I don't care what the role is. It could be an admin role. It could be a senior management role. I will still have the same conversations with them because I'm having a conversation with a person not a position and then we learn about each other and we learn and I teach them a little bit about me and the business and I tell them what I've come from which is actually nothing you know I, I, I come from nothing I'm not I'm not from some big massive wealthy family that have slipped into these great I'm, I literally am not that person um I, my mum brought us up with with two brothers and anything I've had I've worked for from a very, very young age. And I can see that in many people. And I always try and say to them, encourage them, if you want something, go and get it. I wish I had somebody like me and I didn't. And I know we're going to touch on, you know, maybe who mentored me and stuff like that, which is going to be quite a shocking answer for you. But I want to be that support for someone else. And what I try and encourage the people around me is to have that ethos as well. So when you see someone and you see that they, they're struggling or you see that they've got drive, tell me, tell them, you know, and that's what we're kind of building up here, which is why it's such an amazing place to work, really. It's really cool. <laughs> I like it here. <laughs> and I created it. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, something that I've always thought is like people go through school, like primary school, high school, and they've got teachers that are yeah. basically educating them and basically mentors. Like they're, they're, they're the person yeah. that you're meant to be doing exams with and getting advice from. And then you go to like TAFE or community college or university and, and you, you have lecturers and you can ask them and you get mentored again and then you go to work and often these bosses aren't mentors. They're just yeah. someone that's telling someone what to do. And I think both uh, organizations need to realize that it's not about telling someone what to do. It's about leading them into the next part of their life, which is what you're sort of touching on. But then as an employee, realize that you're not on your own and you should be looking for a mentor. You should be looking for someone that's going to guide you in the right direction. So I think... Well, I can't preach enough of, of what you're what you're doing. Um, both just not in just in the higher industry. I think just in general. Like I think you could apply what you're doing to any job, and it, it would make a big difference in in that organisation, just from a culture standpoint. Yeah. No. Thank you. Well, to be fair, I would I would be who I am, and I, I strongly believe that you can only support and guide others by being truthful of yourself. Mm. You know, my, my my mentor was me. That's yeah. who my mentor was. Um, yes, I, I learned by others and yes, I saw others and I thought, you know, and Tony Crawford is my um, sales and marketing director for Mr. Plant Hire. And he's taught me a lot, to be fair. He's taught me a lot. I mean, I'm 37 years old now and I've only been here four years. And if I was ever to say, have I had a mentor? It's probably been him in the last four years, but prior to him, nobody. It was me. I've learned a lot from him. 
and he's 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 calmed me down <laughs> he's taught me to look at a bigger picture and don't don't just assume he's taught me that and i give give credit to him for that don't just think oh my god right i know this let me run in no look at it step back and but other than him do you know what i've taught myself and I think if I was reliant on others and influenced by others, I wouldn't be where I am today because others wouldn't have believed in me the same way I do myself. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So, so growing up, like you were your biggest advocate and I'm assuming yeah. there's probably times where you were sort of questioning yourself as well when you're younger and you sort of everyone goes through those, those stages. So I guess, how did you, how did you motivate yourself? How did you keep yourself in that positive mindset? How did you keep that, that like you've clearly got a whole bowl of energy within you. Like, how did you keep that going? Like what, what was, well, if you could give some advice to somebody that is struggling to find someone, a father figure, a mother figure, a mentor, a boss, whatever it might be, like what advice would you give to that person? Like to yourself 15 years ago? Yeah. Okay. So for me, if you, and I say this a lot, if you believe in yourself, others will believe in you, right? And I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it's true. If you actually think about what I'm saying, think about the words, if you believe in you, others will believe in you. Okay, so if you've got no confidence, no drive, no ambition, and you're just sloughing through life, when someone looks at you, they're going to see that, aren't they? So they're not going to put their time and power and passion into you because they're going to think you don't care. And you've got to remember, people take a really broad view on someone quite quickly when they view, meet them. Now, some would say, you know, like yourself, it's, it's lovely talking to you, Mark, and you're kind of, you know, you, you're enjoying my positive vibes, et cetera, et cetera. Some people would hate me and go, oh, do you know what? She's the most annoying person on the planet and just completely come away from me. And that's fine. But they'll always remember meeting me. So what what's important is is believe in yourself i knew from a young age that i wanted to be something i saw it on both parts i saw success and i saw failure as and i'm, I'm looking that in in two people i saw someone who was doing quite financially well you know get got their own businesses and doing well you know a close person a parent to me and then i saw another parent to me who was being a mother you know my mum she was she she was a mum she wasn't out working every day. She was bringing up three children, but she struggled. Um, and, and I used to, and I remember that. I remember seeing my mum struggle bringing up us as three kids. Um, and, and I remember saying, are you, are you hungry? She's like, no, I'm not hungry. And she was, but she fed us. And that I will never forget. It wasn't for life, don't get me wrong. You know, she had good and bad moments and whatever. And, and my dad for me was sort of there in the background as we were growing up. But, you know, my mum was my, my, my main person. But my dad had his own businesses. My dad had the flash cars. And I knew that I wanted to be, have that lifestyle so I could provide it for my mum. And I knew that from a very young age. I knew that when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, I used to think, I wish I had my dad's money so I could treat my mum. Uh, my mum and dad had obviously separated and we saw him when we saw him. But um, yeah, so, so the biggest drive and influencer was probably my mother, actually. And, and, and this conversation has brought that answer out. And, and I don't think I really ever knew that up until I just said it to you. I think for me is knowing that I wanted to, to give her everything I could because, you know, she gave me life and she, and she struggled as a parent bringing up three kids. And then as we got older, obviously the struggles became less, I guess. Um, and, and now I'm at an age where, you know, my mum's 72 years old. She, she'll beat me and you running around a racetrack. But, you know, she's fantastic. She's great. Um, but if she wants something and I can give it to her. I'll give it to her all day long because she gave up her life to become a parent and, and, to, and to bring us up. So at least I want to do now is make sure that her years left with us is, is enjoyable and she can do what she wants. She goes horse riding. I mean, you will not see me on a horse. Like I don't want to go on a horse. Mum goes horse riding. She's got all the gear and everything. And I take her shops and I say, right, just pick what you want to get. And she normally stings me for a good couple of hundred quid on one item. <laughs> but you know what? I'm proud to be able to say that I'm in a full-time job. I can afford to do that for you because you gave me an upbringing and you gave me a home. Um, so she was my drive 
and knowing I wanted better. My dad was a drive, but not in the same positive reasons, knowing that I wanted to be a better person to actually give um, and be able to give, um, which is basically what my mum was. She would be the giver, but she never had it to give, if you know what I mean. But my dad had it and just didn't. Um, so yeah, so my mum's my, my, mom's my, my queen, 100%. That's so amazing. yeah, so in terms of work, no, no one's driven me. No one's mentored me, no. I've mentored myself because I knew what standards I wanted because I knew what I wanted to provide for my family. So does that mean that when you see people that are struggling, you want to mentor them or yeah. Do, yeah? So that, that yeah, comes 100%. out on you? If, if, if you, if you, you know, if somebody adamantly, they don't want the help, they don't want this, I still try and give them something time. You know, you, you, you can give someone your time. It's worth more than, than any money value. Sometimes people just need to hear, to, to, to be listened to, you know, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, well, actually I'd like to do that. Why are you not doing it? I'd never do it. I'm not good enough. And I, I, I hate hearing that from people because there's nobody on this planet that can't do anything. Mm. You can't, there's nothing you can't do. If it's not yet been achieved, it will be one day. So why not make it you? You know, yeah. so yeah, I just I like to see people, and and I've done that a lot here at Mr. Plant. I've seen some guys that thought they were no better than a than a yardman job, for example. Um, that in particular man who said to me, I'll, "I'll always just be a yardman," when I, no, you won't. I'm really proud to be able to sit here and say that he's um, three months away from completing his uh, college course. He's now one of our mobile engineers. Um, and he's due to become a cap loader engineer so he can basically MOT the machines, if you like, for those who are not familiar with the term, but he'll be a Lola inspector and he's absolutely flying. He didn't even drive. We've got him his license. He's now got a van. He's, he's got an engineer in his title, you know, and he's, he's made something of himself. And he's, I sat with him and his partner just before lockdown and his partner said to me, thank you. And I said, what are you thanking me for? I've never met her. Like we were just sitting in the pub having a quick beer. And she said, thank you for believing in, believing in Michael. Because if you hadn't have believed in him and pushed him, he would never be where he is today. And it was a bit of a lump in your throat moment. I was like, oh dear, he's got this beer down my neck. You know, I didn't want to be sitting there stopping out. It's embarrassing. But yeah, it was nice to know that somebody else sort of felt that. I never even realised I had that impact on him. But yeah, really proud. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and I guess... Like, have you always been a very energetic person, like positive person? Is that just been you your whole life? Or you were more shy and then you became that? Like, or you eased off? Like, what, what was the motions? Uh, I think life experiences have made me a little bit more confident over the years. So, you know, I've, I've, I've been through some, some bits and pieces, as we all have in life. I had a massive, massive loss. Um, my brother was killed in an accident five years ago. Um, and you know what, that, that completely crippled me. That changed me that day, the, the 3rd of February, 2016, my life changed. Um, and what, what it did was I've always been quite confident and quite loud. If you like, you know, I'm Greek Cypriot. <laughs> There's not many Greek Cypriots that aren't quite bubbly and outgoing. And, um, and I've always been quite a people person, but I may have been a bit more reserved, but I think where I've done more things in life than some others, um, it showed me that you can be that and don't let anything hold you back because you just don't know when it's going to all end, you know? Um, and and my, the death of my brother, Patrick, it showed me that life's just too short. You know, it really is too short and you just got to kind of get on with life and be something, make something of yourself. And everything I do now for the last five years, I do in hope that I'm making him proud. And I know that he's, you know, I'm a strong believer that he's with me all the time and, um yeah so I do it and I'm like did you see that Patrick did you like that you know and I have moments with him and, and it's it's fantastic and I just know that for me I'm a family person you know my mum and my brothers are hugely important to me so if I can make a bit of better and, and make something of myself then all for the better really but if you can help others along the way what a touch really because I never had it and I would have been even further down the line if I did so mm. why not so so do you like setting like short-term and long-term goals like how are you sort of analyzing how yeah. you're progressing well your first step is every day is a blessing isn't it right so every day when you wake up i've achieved the, the first step that I, I set myself every day because i'm, I'm here 
because that can change, right? It can change in, in, in the blink of an eye. So firstly, every day is a new day and, and yesterday's news is, is old news. So get on with it. If you, if you, if I, I, I had this thing when I was younger, I want you to be a millionaire. I'm not, by the way, I'd like to stress that. I'm definitely not a millionaire, but I, I used to, I've got, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. That was it. That was my focus. Life has taught me that there's a lot more out there than just money, you know, and, and giving back and helping people is actually more of a financial gain, if you like, than it is the actual money in your bank. So for me, yes, I do set myself challenges. Um, being a pilot is one of them. Um, my brother always wanted to fly planes. He never got around to doing it. So when I, when I lost him, that was my absolute push. So I started doing it. And then obviously with COVID and one thing and another, everything got delayed, delayed, delayed. But now we're back on. I'm actually flying tomorrow morning. I'm almost through my course. I've done all my exams. I've done everything I need to do. So hopefully this year I'll be able to fit my, sit my final test and become a private pilot. So I'll be able to fly anywhere in the world in my own plane, which is great. So that in itself is a huge achievement. So what do I do? I thought, well done. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a commercial pilot. So what I've actually started doing now is I'm going to be hopefully qualifying this year um, to be a private pilot. And then I'm going to hour build up. I'm going to get my commercial license. I don't want to fly airliners. I'm not remotely interested in that. But what I will do is do just, you know, private works, private jets, whatever. However, we, you know, maybe getting some medicine in Africa where there's rural places and flying it to them, you know, that sort of stuff. That's the stuff I would like to be doing, not necessarily full time, maybe something I fit in amongst everything else that I do, who knows, but that's the goal. I will be a commercial pilot in the next few years. I'll certainly be a pilot anyway, in the next few months, hopefully. Um, so yeah, I do set myself, goals. I don't set times. That's something I made a mistake on before by next month, by next year. Because if you don't meet that target, you feel like you failed and you haven't. So now I don't do times. It doesn't mean you can become a private pilot in six weeks if you've got loads of money, loads of time. But if, you, if you're doing it at weekends and the British UK weather sometimes puts, puts a bit of a hold on things. So I've done it over the last few years. What difference does it make? I'm still a pilot. It makes no odds really, does it? So. Yeah. Don't set yourself times, preferably before I die. That would be really be handy. We can fit it in before then. But you know what? No times. There's no times on this. Setting goals and achievements. That's it. Achieving them. You do it. Tick it off. Do something else. And just don't give up on yourself. Don't think you can't be something. You know, 20 years ago, I used to think I would be what I was, which was working in that store and serving customers and I never and I used to look at the manager and think oh I'd love to be in that job why it was only two of us he was a manager of me but looking back on it now you know I thought he was amazing but yeah I just thought no I, I want to do that I want to be that so I did and then I just went up and up and up and up and up and now you know I'm proud to say I'm the manager of the the powered access division for a business in London you know Mr Plant High is absolutely flying and it's growing and, and I've, I've made it abundantly clear to my bosses I'm going to do this for a little bit longer and then it's someone else's time to take over. I want the next step. I want the next challenge. So, yeah, we just got to keep going, keep driving. Being a woman, being, you know, slightly darker skinned, being this, being that. A lot of people could just kind of think, oh, you know, you'd be held back. No, not at all. I don't care. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Whatever we want to do, let's just go and do it. Yeah. What, what I, something that jumped out at me when you were talking through that, like you said, I will be a commercial pilot. Correct. Like, I think that's like a really strong description of a goal. Like, you know, people say, oh, I want to do this. I am going to be a commercial pilot. So yes. I think yeah. clearly, clearly there's, a, there's a determination there that it's, uh, there, there is no holds on, on what I can achieve. Yeah, no, I, I don't like being told that I won't do something. I won't be able to achieve it. I don't like that. My father once said to me, it stuck with me. I'm glad he said it because it changed my life. He said, you'll never do that. I can't remember what it was. I think it was when I was joining the army, uh, at the TA. He said, oh, you'll never do it. I thought, thank you, Dad, because I did do it. Yeah, and I did it, and I met some amazing people, and I learned some great things. Um, flying, you'll never do that. Okay. You know what? Thank you, and I appreciate it. I appreciate his comments because he didn't mean it necessarily nasty. Or he's probably just thinking, you know, I'm the, I'm the girl. We're, we're Greek. We should be at home breeding and cooking. 
and and here I am not you know here I am flying planes joining the TA doing things making a difference and and running a multi-million pound business in London um I think is not what's expected so mm. you know it's, it's 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 okay to be different it's okay to say no I can do it yeah. and don't let other people tell you you can't no matter who, how close they are yeah so the other thing that came to my mind was uh, early on you said oh I wanted to be a millionaire I feel like yeah. so many people like they get something. Oh, I want to buy this car. I want to buy this house. I want this or whatever. And they get it. And they think that their life's going to change. They mm. think, oh, once I get this, like everything's going to be so much better. And they get yeah. it. And then it's like, oh, wait, I'm exactly the same person as I was yesterday. Yeah. And so exactly. I think a lot of people put those expectations around what happiness looks like. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I listen, if, if someone walks in now and put three million on the desk, I will not say no, thank you very much. It'll be fantastic. But my my ambitions with that money now to what it would have been 20 years ago is very different. You know, 20 years ago, I would have said, oh, I'm going to go and get the house, the car, you know, go on all the holidays, blah, 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 and get all the clothes and all this crap. Now I'd be saying, right, what can we do? What do we need? What could What could change someone else? You know, and, and that's that's just the difference in me now. I've grown up, you know, and I've changed that mindset. If I, it's like the whole the whole idea with the machine. You know, we're 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 million multi million pound business. We're doing great as many of us are, but I, I I'm still going to take the money out of the pot and I'm still going to give it to someone else because everybody needs a bit of support sometimes we need support you know we need our customers to keep using us we still need that and and you know we're very very grateful of it but in return let's give back let's give something on let's forward that on to someone else if everybody just does it it'd be a mm. bit of a nicer place wouldn't it so yeah do you know what i want to be successful in life and and what is success hey who knows a long time ago well not that long ago i would have said money 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 now for me i am successful i've got it I've got what it is that is I'm, I'm, I'm healthy to my knowledge, you know, and I'm, I'm supporting others and I'm helping others in their careers and I'm driving the business. You know what, what more, I, this pandemic's taught us a lot really, you know, and, and having someone so close in, in the business that one of our drivers catch COVID and be in such a, an awful state to the point he was on a ventilator and, I did not think Mark we was going to make it. You know, I cleared out his lorry and, and prepared it in a respectful manner to to hand over to his family. That was a really, really difficult time for me, and that was hard because I wasn't doing it for a person. I was doing it for a colleague, a friend. Um, you know what? John's amazing. He's pulled through. He's out of hospital. He came in and saw us. It was just incredible. You know, he's got a very, very long road ahead of him, but when he's ready, we'll be here. We'll be waiting. And, and, you know, we'll welcome him back when the time's right. But stuff like that, it's changed my mind a lot. Mm. It really has. Yeah, and I, I love what you just said. So one of my questions is going to be, how do you define success? And I loved you. You sort of already predetermined this answer by just saying, I am successful, which is like no one's actually said that answer so far in the podcast, which yeah. is a, a, it's a really positive outlook on yourself as mm -hmm. well. I think people, you know, they always say you can't love you someone else before you love yourself sort of thing. Like, yeah. I think, believe yourself. yeah, yeah, like clearly like you believe in yourself. So I'm going to ask the question anyway. Sure. For how do you define success? And I guess for you, you sort of mentioned the defining moment with your brother, but yeah. is that sort of how it all sort of shapes together? You know what success for me is is being these believing and being happy in yourself right you're successful then because when you believe in you then others will follow that's fact you know if you've got confidence and and you can say look i can do this this is what i want to do now are you on board are you going to join me and enjoy this success with me or not not can i will you don't rely on other people Rely on yourself and believe in yourself. And when you've got that in your head, you are successful. And I've got it. And I've built it myself. Nobody's taught me that. No one's done. Life has taught me to, to accept that. You know, don't rely on other people because people will let you down. It doesn't matter who they are, no matter how close they are, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. No one will believe in you as much as you do yourself. So 
get that bit right and the rest follows you know what all the money in the world like you just said you know there's there's some incredibly wealthy people that have that their mental health has affected them so badly they've seen no other option that for me is a killer that is so sad you've got all the millions in the bank but there's something that's not right and you feel that you've had to you know take drastic action and mental health for me is a huge thing you know I, I love to get you know, I don't know much about it I'm not no advocate for it I don't know I've not got some major training on it but what I am is someone who can recognize when things are hard you know I've, I've been through hard times uh, financially and, and and mentally and physically I've been through all of it as many as most of us have but what I have done is I've come out the other side of it and I've gone yeah this is life you know not everything's mental health. Lots of people, unfortunately, claim that title when it's not necessarily the case. You know, you're stirring your coffee and it's, it's got too much milk. It's impacted my mental health. No, it hasn't. Yeah, it's life. It's a bad day, love. You know, that's a coffee. Let's make another one. But so for me, the, you know, it's about kind of overcoming stuff and just getting on with it. But it's also about kind of understanding that, you know, some people really, really do struggle in life. You know, when I lost Patrick, it was a huge thing for me. Like, it really, really hit me. I remember just not being, like, my body hurt. My body physically hurt. And my, I was having pains in my chest. And I was sitting there thinking, I know I'm upset, but why am I physically hurting? Until you've had that, and I, God forbid, I hope nobody ever, well, naturally, we, people will. But I hope people don't experience it. But when you have experienced that level of pain, everything else doesn't matter. Like nothing matters. Nothing's really that serious, is it? You know, you could lose a million pound deal. You go, okay, let's get another one. You know, we're here and we're alive. So we're able to. There's people out there through COVID, through mental health, through accidents as such as my brother that aren't here anymore so let's let's make their you know their loss of life let's make a legacy of these people even if we don't know them we don't have to know them to make life a success do we in their in their legacy you know let's make mm. losing their life worth talking about and having a, a reason behind it and just get on with stuff and that's just my mindset that's how i work so everything I do, I do it for me and I do it to hopefully make a better person out of myself and out of others. And I pray that my brother's watching me and he's proud. If mm. I've achieved two things, then wicked. I stood up actually in front of 500 kids um, only 18 months ago and I did a talk. Uh, it was in a theatre in London. There was 500 kids. I mean, imagine 500 kids. That's like hell on earth, isn't it? Like, I'm not, I'm not a maternal person. Like, give me a dog any day, right? So I was standing there. They were, they were 16 to 18 year olds. So they're not babies, but they're still kids, right? And, and I had to talk to them about wearing a seatbelt in a car. You're going to start to learn to drive soon. Um, you know, this is how important it is. And the reason I did that is because my brother was killed by somebody speeding. Okay, so he was driving, this guy, this guy was driving his car. He didn't see my brother. My brother was, my brother was killed at, at the scene. He died in the street. So it was a really, really awful time. So I wanted, I had two roads, Mark. I had the road of going down, you know, a really kind of breakdown and, and not struggling and not coping. And, and or, I had a, or I had another road and that was get through this and try and prevent it from happening to someone else. So I did. So I went through the pain. I had counselling and I'm not ashamed to say I had grief, you know, bereavement counselling and it, and it really helped me. And then an opportunity come up and they said, look, when you're ready, not yet, not yet. And I said, OK. And I left it a good year or two. And they said, when you're ready, we'd like you to stand up and talk to the kids who are going to start driving soon. You know, give them some advice and maybe share your story. And I'd never spoken about it publicly before. I said, OK. And I stood up and started, I nearly fell over. It was like the most embarrassing thing in the world. There was a bit on the stage that I didn't see because it was obviously all dark. And I was like, nearly stacked it. But I got on stage and there was all these heads sort of in the dark and I saw the front ones looking at me. And I shared the story about my brother and how it all happened and what, what not. Um, and you could hear tears dropping and, and people like, oh my God, you know, and this is really, really sad. And then when it, it, there was some police officers, ambulance, fire, and they all shared their own stories. Um, and then at the end, I stood outside and these kids came up to us and most of them went past, you know, they were quite happy they got out of mass. But um, a couple of them come up to me and they said, thank you so much for sharing that because it's it's really changed me. Like I, I will never now ever 
get in a car without a seatbelt or I will, you know, I will think about the person speeding, you know, and then and it just said that you've, you've impacted me, you've made a difference. And I said to my family, if one kid comes out of this um, theatre and remembers me and remembers my story or Patrick, then I've, I've, I've achieved it. It's a success today. I had 500, there was 500 kids in there, probably 20 odd teachers, and if one person listens to this story and, and takes something away from it, then today's been a massive success. Anything above one is just huge. I had at least five or six kids coming up saying, you know, I'm, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your absolute agony because you've made a difference to my future. And I was like, we're done. You know, we're done. That For me, that was it. That was it. I was like, yeah. We, we've achieved it right now. And, and it was just a, a fantastic thing. So that's just an example of why a really rubbish situation can have such, if you turn that situation around, it can have such a huge impact in a positive way. Um, and that's, you know, with the whole COVID situation, so many loss of life and it's just, it's beyond, you know, we can't, we can never talk about it enough. I know people who have lost their lives. I know people of people that have lost their lives, you know, all across the world, it's devastating. So what do we do about it? We, don't, we can sit here and we can be really down and we can blame the government so we can blame everyone. Or we can actually say, right, do you know what? Let's keep going. Let's, let's do what we've got to do. And you know what? Take that machine out. Let me give some money back to the charities and let's just make a bit of a difference. And that's what that's what I stand by. Yeah. Like, it, look, you've got an amazing mentality. So I think I feel like I have to give you some outrageous thing that I'm going to tell you you can't do. Like, you yeah, can't you, know, you can't buy Manchester United. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> you can keep that one. <laughs> no, you gotta buy them just to bring them down. Like is yeah, that <laughs> all right, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I it, I applaud your positivity. Um and yeah, it'd be amazing to see what you achieve in the next few years because you've you've Thank clearly you. you've clearly got something that a lot of people don't have and, and you're almost using it as like a superpower in a way. Just trying to help others, mate. I, I was never, I was never this person that long ago. And, and like I said, life experiences, they make you who you are. And yeah, I, unfortunately I've seen some nasty stuff, but it's mainly who I am today. So don't, don't let things stop you. And again, it just draws back to this. Once you believe in you, then others will follow, but you have to believe in yourself and you can do it. There's nothing you can't do. Nothing you cannot do. So just go for it. That's it. It's amazing. All right, Elle, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Thank you, Mark. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. This podcast episode was proudly supported by our premier partner, Kenart's Hire.